Good morning. Uh, welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. So good to have uh, each of you here. For those of you who are newer or, or maybe visiting today or, uh, uh, you know, you've forgotten who I am. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my name's Andy. I'm privileged to be the senior pastor here at Troy and uh, so glad that you're here today. Uh, we, my family and I, we just returned uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago now from a, a national parks vacation. Uh, I, uh, my wife, Amy Jo, and my kids, Andrew and Anna, we, we enjoyed 11 national parks in, in about 20 days, and it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, just the refreshing, uh, rejuvenating time um, uh, in God's creation together. I, I would, would highly, highly recommend it, uh, just maybe not for another hour or so, okay? Uh, but but I, I just need to express uh, gratitude. I'm so uh, grateful, uh, thankful uh, for the amazing church staff and leaders that we have uh, around Troy United Methodist Church who, whose uh, dedication, their skills, their, their calling from God, they, they just uh, make it possible for uh, me to be gone for a stretch without anything vital uh, going unfinished or undone. It was so easy to step back into things. I, I love our staff. I love uh, our church family. And, I, and I'm so uh, glad to be back uh, to dive in with you into God's life-changing, uh, life-transforming word. And I'm, I'm thrilled. We've got a lot of message series that I, I really think are, are some some powerful ones coming up in the next few months, uh, starting with a chain-breaking series, a uh, study of the book of Ephesians uh, that we're beginning today and uh, continuing through the month of August. But, but I, I would love to just begin our time together uh, praying for you, praying for uh, God to work in us uh, at, during these next several weeks uh, through his uh, transforming Holy Spirit. So uh, would you just uh, join me in prayer, please? Well, Heavenly Father, our, our prayer this morning really is um, uh, simply stated, but a big ask. Would you open our hearts to your word and, and, and really do, in some cases, the impossible and, and transform us? Lord, I, I'm aware some of us are hurting. Some of us feel lost. Uh, some of us are in despair and confused. Some of us are, are all those things, and we don't even know it. Many of us are, are concerned about the events in our nation, in our world, the shootings that took place uh, yesterday. And we, of course, we want to lift up all those who are affected uh, by these senseless tragedies. But we know, Lord, we cling to the fact that you transform the world one heart at a time. And so right now, we're gathered to hear you speak words that can bring true and lasting life change to our hearts. Speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 60 AD, the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesians. Paul visited Ephesus during his second missionary journey some years before. Ephesus was the most important city in Asia Minor 
because the majority of Ephesians were Gentiles, seen by Jews as unclean and unrighteous people. Paul made Ephesus a center for evangelism and started a church that flourished. His letter to the Ephesians stressed God's love and grace for all people because God planned for Jesus to break down the barrier between Jews and Gentiles. Paul would travel 10,000 miles on three missionary journeys, starting churches throughout the Roman Empire and Asia Minor. This scene takes place in a Roman prison where Paul would dictate the good news to his friend Tychicus. The Apostle Paul was the greatest champion for the Gentiles in the New Testament. However, it wasn't always so. Communities need your wisdom, Paul. This letter you're dictating to the Ephesians is proof. I have many regrets, but everything I've done, I've done for Christ. People need hope. Yesterday I saw a woman covered in blood. Her entire family was slaughtered because they believed. Christ promised difficult times like these. But I know the one whom I follow, and I'm certain of the joy where I go. But people need hope. They're afraid. You can inspire them, as your letters always have. The way is growing, but there are men, women, and children who will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of the good news. It's your certainty that opens the door to Christ. I never saw Christ in the flesh, but when I heard you preach, I saw Christ in you. Wasn't always so. My life did not begin with hate. It festered and grew. I was in the temple, keeping true to my fasts and prayers. I was blameless in the ancient laws of Israel. Those who followed Christ were blasphemers. I hated Christians. When they stoned Stephen, I was there. And at that moment, I vowed to destroy anyone who followed the way. And I hunted them down like wild animals. Showed no mercy to men, women, or children. And when they fled from Jerusalem, I went to the temple, to the chief priest who obtained authority to go to Damascus and arrest anyone who followed Christ. I was determined to be God's hand of justice, his wrath. The road to Damascus was your miracle. Yes, the road to Damascus. I was a wretched man and I deserved death, but Christ saved me. And your life was never the same again. It wasn't, but I have dreams. The devil sneaks in the darkness here, taunting me day and night, reminding me of this terrible thorn in my flesh. I am haunted by myself. I have so much blood on my hands, sins of a past life. The men, 
women and the children. All these years, I've had a vision of them waiting somewhere. I just want to know this place. Its meaning has always been hidden from me. The devil tortures me, whispering, they have found no peace. They have found no joy. And I pray for release. And another voice calls out and says, my grace is sufficient. For that very reason, our people in Ephesus and throughout the Roman world need to hear your words now more than ever. There is so much death and persecution. There's talk of reprisals. We cannot repay evil for evil. Evil can only be overcome by good. This is a world in the grip of evil. Widows and orphans are starving. Babies born with the slightest defect are brave. There's blood running in the streets. This world, this world knows nothing about love. So you would give up on the world when Christ did not give up on us? Why not? Listen to me. There is a moment for everyone. And in that moment, it is Christ himself who shatters everyone's defenses. And in that moment, the person understands that they are completely known by God. And they are completely loved. I pray that moment comes for all, Jews and Gentiles alike. It's love. Love is the only way. Love that is kind and doesn't dishonor. Love that never delights in evil, but rejoices in truth. Love that protects and trusts and hopes. Love that endures all things. That kind of love. Do you understand? Yes. Then write it down. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jordan, can you give me a hand? Thanks. Well, prison has never been a place where you would want to find yourself without a doubt. Uh, being, but being pr imprisoned in the United States today is probably a cakewalk compared to what it would have been in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. Uh, and merely identifying yourself as a follower of Jesus in the early church, uh, you could be accused of rebellion against the Roman emperor and find yourself 
in chains. The Apostle Paul, an early follower of Jesus who started many churches and cities throughout the Roman Empire and himself wrote much of the New Testament in the form of letters uh, to these churches that he knew and loved, uh, Paul spent a significant amount of his ministry career in prison. Uh, not the career path that I am hoping for myself, uh, but, but we learn from sources from the time period what, what prisons were like. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten the impression from this uh, scene, uh, but prisons in that time period had poor ventilation, stale air, suffocating heat. They were restless places where prisoners uh, really only had the cold stone floor to sleep on. Most prisoner, prisons were uh, dark without much uh, natural light. They were also filthy places with horrible waste management. Uh, prison rations, which were provided only once a day, uh, were not meant to keep uh, prisoners healthy, but to just keep them barely alive. In the Bible, Paul often referred to uh, being um, in chains, which would have caused its own sorts of problems. Uh, being skin, being chafed and corroded over time. Uh, sometimes uh, prisoners were weighed down with chains as a form of torture or, uh, or punishment. It's, it's really no surprise that these awful conditions oftentimes broke uh, prisoners' bodies and their minds and even their souls. If they didn't become sick and die, uh, most would wish for death and even seek it as an escape. But for early Christ followers, being imprisoned for their faith was just another part of what it meant to be a Christian. Uh, from Paul's writing in the Bible, we see that some prisoners uh, spent their time in, uh, under lock and, and key uh, in spiritual disciplines of prayer and singing and fasting. Uh, we also know that Paul spent a fair amount of time exchanging letters of correspondence with the churches that he knew and loved. Um, a handful of the books of the Bible that we have today were, were Paul's letters that were written uh, by him or, or dictated to somebody who was next to him who wrote them down uh, while he was uh, under in prison or under house arrest, under military guard. Uh, the book of Ephesians um, is one such book. And we know this because there are at least three places in the book itself uh, where uh, uh, Paul makes reference to being in prison, one of which he even mentions presently being in chains. And yet, yet Paul's opening words of this letter that was sent to several churches in and around the ancient megacity of Ephesus, uh, they don't sound discouraged. They don't sound uh, like someone who's in despair, like we might expect from uh, Paul uh, writing under such conditions. L listen, just listen to how Paul uh, opens uh, his letter, starting in, in verse 3 of chapter 1. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, 
and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Wow, I mean, this, this doesn't sound like something you would expect from the hand of someone who is literally in chains. Much of what Pastor Dan taught about uh, the, the last two weeks, this, this, is, this is Paul. I mean, Paul is in prison, but he is free in Christ. And I would wager that few, if any, of us will ever experience being in prison or literally being in chains. And yet, sadly, there are, there are so many things that can easily enslave us habits, patterns of thinking, behaviors, uh, or, or attitudes that can imprison our hearts, they can shackle our minds, and they can keep our souls in bondage. So throughout uh, this month of August, uh, we're going to be studying parts of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and, and ask God to break us free from the various prisons that we may find ourselves in. And this morning, we're going to start by, by looking at this six-chapter book in its entirety so that, we be, can, uh, so that we can become a little more familiar with its message and see how even the way it is structured, uh, how, how it can point to a way out of a prison that many of us are familiar with. So if you would, uh, get out an actual physical Bible if you brought one with you. Uh, and if you didn't, then uh, look at a neighbor who maybe brought a, a Bible with them. Uh, unfortunately, a Bible app isn't going to help you uh, with this exercise. So uh, go ahead and get the Bible out and try to find the book of Ephesians. Uh, it's in the New Testament of the Bible, which is uh, the, the last 25% of, of the scriptures. And um, it's the 10th book of the New Testament. It's after the the accounts of Jesus' life, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's after the Acts of the Apostles, which is kind of a, a history of the early church. It's after uh, Paul's letters to the Romans and his two letters to uh, the uh, church in Corinth. And, and it's after the book of Galatians. Uh, but it's, if you've gone to Philippians or Colossians, you've gone too far, uh, which is understandable because the Ephesians is, is a relatively short book of the Bible. Uh, but when you get there, I want you to put kind of a, a thumb or a finger at the beginning and a thumb or a finger at the end. Just kind of kind of ho hold it there. Uh, depending on how much extra stuff you have in your Bible, uh, it's, it might only just be a couple of pages. Uh, but but uh, while you're doing that, I, I just want to share that here at, at Troy UMC, um, we, we believe that the Bible is is God's loving revelation to us. 
that through the Bible we can see clearly. It's not a mystery. We can see clearly who God is. We can see uh, God's loving character. Uh, we also believe that we, in the pages of the Bible, can see pretty clearly who we are. And we can also discover God's heart for us, how we can f uh, find real life in a relationship with Jesus and, and, and what it means to go about uh, living the life that he has called us to. Uh, but, but over time, I, I've noticed that, that many of us approach uh, the teachings of the Bible in, in, in kind of in isolated segments at best. You know, in other words, we'll, we'll read a passage, say a, a passage from uh, this letter to the Ephesians, and we'll try to apply it to our lives without, um, without understanding the, 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 the message of the whole letter that Paul is writing. Or maybe without even understanding the, the message of, of the Bible as a whole. Uh, now, that can work for us sometimes. Uh, sometimes we, we get it right and we apply things correctly without understanding the context with which the, the passage or the scripture is that, that we read. But other times, uh, other times we end up uh, interpreting or, and or applying a passage or a particular verse uh, without understanding the context in which it lies, and we do it incorrectly. And so we end up having wrong practice, even though we're, we're trying to follow the, uh, the scriptures. And, and so uh, all that to say, it is, it is vitally important to approach the Bible as a whole. And, and each uh, book of the Bible uh, within as a unit unto itself, uh, with a unifying message that holds it all together. And, and we're going to try to do that today with the book of Ephesians and discover uh, Paul's overarching message and, and how that directly applies to our lives today. Or at least I, I think it does. And I'll let you be the judge of that for yourself um, when we're finished. Uh, now, Ephesians is a letter, a unit unto itself. And, and so I've I've got kind of this diagram here, which is in your message notes. I encourage you to follow along. Uh, it, it looks a little complicated, but, but it'll become clearer as we walk through it. Uh, but Ephesians is a letter, a unit unto itself, and Paul writes it in the standard pattern of letters of his day. Uh, so so it's, got, it's got a form to it, and we're going to walk through parts of that form. So um, it, it, you heard the very beginning of this letter in at the very end of the drama, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul opens his letter in this typical fashion. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is a typical form that most letters follow. Um, uh, Paul is essentially beginning by introducing himself and saying, hi, hello. <laughs> uh, makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's a, uh, a common beginning. Uh, now, now flip to the back of the, this letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to pick up at verse 21. Paul says, to bring you up to date... 
Tychius, uh, who is, who is uh, in, the, in the drama here, he will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God, the Father, and the Lord of Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this is also part of a typical pat pattern for letters. At the end, uh, most uh, letters in the ancient world, they would end with some business, uh, which uh, Paul uh, had a little bit of business here. In other letters, there's a lot more. Uh, but, and then, and then a, just kind of a formal goodbye. And once again, I mean, this makes complete sense. Uh, doesn't it? Uh, you, you can see that this letter has an organization to it. It wasn't just some casual uh, letter. It was well thought out. It has organization. It's not a haphazard in its approach. Uh, Paul has a pattern and a plan for what he wants to communicate to these, these early Christians. Now let's, let's flip back to the beginning again. Um, after, after hello, uh, Paul begins another standard practice in letter, letter writing. He gives what is known as uh, the, the thanksgiving. In fact, I already read a good portion of Paul's thanksgiving. It starts at verse 3 and goes through about uh, verse 17. Um, and almost all letters of the time have these uh, thanksgiving portions, uh, at least uh, uh, and definitely the letters of the New Testament that Paul and others write. Um, in fact, uh, if, if a letter doesn't have the thanksgiving, which, uh, uh, for instance, the, the letter to the Galatians is missing a thanksgiving, that's not by chance. That, that is for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. Um, and usually that purpose is that the writer is, is, is pretty mad about something and jumping right to the point. Uh, like, like if you uh, think about a, a normal phone conversation, which I know it's like going out of style these days, phone conversations. Who would have ever thought that? Uh, but, but think about the last phone conversation you had. Usually uh, you're calling somebody and you, and you start with, with just some basic stuff like, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Anything new? Uh, it's just it's these kind of niceties that you, you start with before you jump into the reason for the call or, or anything like that. But, but think about this. If you're a parent of a teenager who didn't come home last night and you're calling them, it, you, it doesn't start off with formal niceties. It goes right to, where in the world are you? What were you thinking? And, and it's, it, that's what it's like if you skip the Thanksgiving of, of a letter. Uh, but Paul doesn't do that here. Paul isn't mad. Uh, Paul, in fact, is happy. He's full of joy. Um, even in prison, he's full of joy. He's thankful for these Christians that he loves so much. Uh, so, so this, you know, the beginning and the end, uh, it kind of gives you the framework for the organization of this letter. Uh, but it's the, the organization of the bulk, of the body of the letter that I think God might want to use to transform our hearts uh, this morning. Uh, the body has, has two main parts in this letter to the Ephesians. Uh, the first part uh, really is mostly a prayer. Uh, chapters 1 and 3 create some bookends for this prayer that, that Paul is praying for 
uh, these people that he loves so much, the Ephesians. And, and along the way, uh, in, in the midst of this prayer, Paul intertwines a, a little teaching about what it is that he's praying. Um, and as he prays, it's like he'll, he'll, he'll pray a little something and then he'll teach about what it is that he just prayed. And then he'll move right back into his prayer. It's kind of all intertwined together. And he starts the prayer in chapter 1, uh, verse 18. And then uh, it, it just starts, I pray for you. <laughs> and then uh, it goes all the way through the end of chapter 3, and verse 21, appropriately ending with a big fat amen. Um, and, and I think that, that after praying for nearly three whole chapters, we might excitedly join in uh, with that amen, wouldn't we? Uh, that's a long prayer. Uh, but then, then there's a major shift. That, that's kind of the first part of the body of this letter. Then there's a major shift in the content of the letter. And beginning in chapter 4, and all the way up through the business end of the letter, uh, Paul teaches his readers how to live the Christian life in, in a variety of different ways. Um, it's, this section is much more about application. He gives spiritual counsel. It's a section on how to put the Christian life into practice. He teaches about the importance of unity in the church, roles for leaders within the church, he teaches ethical and moral living as a Christ follower, uh, what it means to live by the Spirit, how to honor God in your marriage, how to honor God with your parenting, and more. And this second section of the body of the letter, uh, in a nutshell, it's all about Christian ethics and right living as a follower of Jesus. And connecting these two main sections of the letter is a very significant statement. Right in the middle of this letter, at the very beginning of chapter 4, uh, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, this word therefore is an extremely important word. Uh, Paul in this, in this one little word is, is establishing the unity of the letter as a whole. In other words, he's saying, okay, everything that I'm about to say is built upon the foundation of what I just said. Therefore, from after what I just said, therefore, what I'm about to say. And, and and I think it's an important question to ask, well, what, what did Paul just finish saying? What was the, the main point of his prayer, the main point of uh, those first few chapters? Uh, Paul, after giving great thanks to these congregations whom he loved, he, he prayed that they would remember what was most important. He, he prayed that they would know the love of God in Christ Jesus. And he took three chapters to say it. Paul wanted these early Christians to understand the order of things, that, that knowing God and experiencing the love of God in Christ is the foundation for, for everything else in the Christian life, that everything else in the Christian life flows out of. Paul didn't want them to miss the most important things. 
And, and you know what? I don't want you to miss it. Um, while I was away, uh, uh, when I had some time by myself, uh, early in the morning, usually, when everybody else wanted to sleep or uh, just a, a quiet walk in, in God's creation, I, I, I regularly ask God just to give me some insight into how he would want me to lead this church when I, when I got back. God, God what, what, what's most important right now? What, what would you have me do and say and teach? What, what, what comes next for us, Lord? And, and, and this, is, this is just what God impressed upon my heart. And, and it, it, it came again and again and again, and, and, and it was so simple. Say, Andy, invite people into the life-transforming Word of God. And you know what's transforming about God's Word? I mean, it's, it's the good news of the Christian faith, that, that despite the brokenness and the sin of this world and, and that, that, that lives in us, despite that, God loves us, and God desperately wants us to trust him with our lives so that we can experience life the way that it was meant to be lived in following Jesus. Don't don't ever miss that. That God loves us and invites us to follow him with our faith and our trust. I mean, that's the heart of the gospel. And, And I'm curious if you see how the the order of this letter, even the structure of this letter, um, how its its teaching is vitally important. Uh, Let let me ask that another way. I know that's confusing. What if you do what a lot of us do uh, when we sense we we need a word from God? So you just kind of open up your Bible and you just kind of thumb through. You don't. There's no plan to it. And maybe you land say in the book of Ephesians, say you land in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, without, you don't understand the message of the whole letter uh, of Ephesians, uh, and you you just opened up to chapter 4, verses 17 uh, through 19, and you read this. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. What what, what if you just began with that? Live no longer like the Gentiles. A, a, A lot of us think this is what most of the Bible is anyway, right? Oh, don't live like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, and, you know, you, know you, you'd probably, you'd, from this, you would probably gain the importance of living an upright and moral life. That, that kind of comes across in this. Uh, but, but you know what? If you then move to apply this in your life, this is what could happen. You, you might fall into the prison of trying to live a, a moral and upright life and, and living a life for God without the foundation of knowing God and knowing your identity as a beloved child of God. 
which, which the, was the entire message of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. You might fall into the prison of living a moral life or trying to live a moral life or, or just knowing in your heart that living a moral life is what's expected of you without understanding why. It's like rules without relationship. And friends, that's a prison. It's a prison that many of us find ourselves in time and time again, practicing or, or trying to practice right living without the foundation of knowing the love that God has for us in our lives. And, and you know what the result is? And here's the result. See if this sounds familiar to you. You know, you end up feeling guilty a lot. Guilty when you fall short of perfection. Many of us end up feeling exhausted, uh, uh, never feeling like, like we've done quite enough of what's expected of us and what we're supposed to do. And this leads many of us to, to deep feelings of resentment. You know, it starts with shame and then it becomes resentment wondering why God would, would put us through this, why God would ask so much of us. And oftentimes the result of being bound in this prison is an overarching sense of defeat. Just throw your hands up. I, I can't, why, why do I even do this? And just a sense of wanting to give up. You, you find yourself imprisoned, shackled in the chains of living a moral life for God without a real relationship with God. Friends, that's really no way to live. And yet, I, many of us find ourselves there. I know I found myself there a time or two. And it's my guess that this describes where, where some of you are at right now. So what do you do? What do you do when you feel like when you just feel the chains of guilt and exhaustion, possibly resentment and, and even a sense of defeat. Well, the, the truth is only God can break those chains. Only by the love of Jesus Christ can you be set free. Your freedom, you need to hear this, your freedom doesn't come from doing anything. Your freedom in Christ comes from receiving your identity in him. That is a gift from God that comes freely without condition to anyone who comes to him in faith. And we'll talk more about that next week, but you don't have to wait um, till then to receive the rejuvenating, refreshing love of Jesus Christ. You, you can receive that today for the first time or for the hundredth time. And I'm not gonna belabor the point, I, I, I just want to offer it to you as the hope of Christ, as the, the good news of the gospel. You don't have to live in guilt and exhaustion and resentment or defeat. Jesus can break those chains. And the truth is, he's already broken them. And when you experience his love as the foundation for your right living, Jesus will break the chains that have been holding you in prison. In our celebration of Holy Communion, 
uh, really, really is uh, a reflection of that. The body of Christ, broken and offered freely to you. The blood of Christ, poured out for the forgiveness of sins, offered to us without cost, and yet coming at great cost to the giver. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God Almighty, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on us, all of us gathered here, and on these gifts of bread and juice. Lord, would you make them become for us powerful symbols of your body broken for us and your blood shed for us as you call us to be your body broken for this world that you love so much. Lord, make us one with you. Remind us once again of your deep love for us. Make us one with each other. Make us one in ministry to this entire world until you come again and we celebrate around your heavenly banquet table. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who lives and reigns forever.